The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out cybionicscgm.com. How's it going? It's Owen here, and this is a bite-sized episode of the Insulone Podcast, Redefining Diabetes. Every week, we'll dip back into the episode archive and get you to think and reflect once more about some of the things we've learned from the podcast over the last few years. It could be some diabetic wisdom, advice, a great guest, or even a hypo story. So enjoy this bite-sized episode of the Insulone Podcast. You're obviously back to flying now, thankfully, but what was happening in between the day you were diagnosed and the day you went back to flying. How did you manage the condition and how did you move forward with it towards eventually, hopefully getting back to flying? Yeah. So, um, you know, with that, you know, once I got out of the hospital and, uh, you know, I guess it kind of was, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a skill or something that, you know, I learned through going through university or what have you, but yeah, I'd always consider myself to be a fairly, I guess, inquisitive person. So, you know, when I left the hospital and even when, you know, I initially met with, uh, you know, a diabetes educator and to some degree, the first endocrinologist I worked with, there were a lot of gaps, so to speak, I guess would be the, the, the kind way of saying it. And I started to go and dig a bit and I said, you know, the, the information that I've been getting up, in the, up until this point is basic at best. I understood why it was that way. They don't want to overwhelm you with too much information right off the bat, nor do they have time to go into great detail. But I just started to, you know, to dig and to say, like, what is, you know, the main components, I guess, of uh, diabetic management and more specifically type one. And, you know, of those components, you know, you kind of have, uh, and, and like you've talked about, and uh, I think it's very important, you know, you, you kind of have your nutrition, you know, you have your activity, you know, and then you also have your insulin management. And so I just started to focus in on those components. You know, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on the activity standpoint. Um, and I did have some education in, in college, you know, regarding that. Um, the nutrition, you know, we were fairly, you know, we ate fairly healthy. Um, before my diagnosis, you know, uh, mainly just so I could, uh, I guess, recreate and, you know, maintain, you know, physicality the way I wanted to. But I figured, okay, there's some changes that I thought needed to happen um, because I wanted to identify what I thought was, I guess, the main antagonistic portion of diabetic control, 
uh, and kind of figure that out. Um, and then also with the insulins, you know, I started to do a lot of uh, studying or rather, you know, kind of research on how they work, what they do, you know, how they affect the body and uh, how I would then utilize the combination of the nutrition and the insulin to, you know, get stability and to manage the disease and avoid, you know, long-term complications because, you know, anyone that's a diabetic can read, you know, knows the laundry list of potential complications from poorly managed diabetes and uh, none of them are good. You know, I mean, we don't have to go through the list of them, but none of them are good. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not good to say the least. So what do you think then to follow on from that? What do you think was the biggest lifestyle change that you had to make? Because I was diagnosed at 19. I was old enough to realize the severity of it, but I also wasn't old enough where I was so set in my ways. Sure. And I feel that's the difference between somebody who is diagnosed quite young compared to somebody who is, I'm not saying you're old, John, but no, older I'm than expected. I'm, old, I'm, old, yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. saying that. It's what do right. you think was? Hey, let me move my walker aside here real quick. Yeah. <laughs> the Zimmer frame. <laughs> so what do you think was the biggest lifestyle change that you had to shift? Um, I think the, the biggest changes came about with, um, you know, my nutritional choices. Um, I guess the, the easiest way to, to, to breach that subject is just to say I kind of was, you know, had always been interested in, you know, health and nutrition. Um, but I, at the time, you know, I was basically getting away with kind of a standard athlete's diet, you know, like we ate fairly healthy, you know, I didn't, you know, eat fast food all the time and eat all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, on a frequent basis, but, you know, I, I certainly didn't feel like I needed to concentrate more than I was at the time because I had good body composition, you know, I, I didn't have a weight problem. I was able to, you know, do all the activities that I wanted to do. But when the diabetes was introduced into that, you know, I, as I started to kind of look through things, I, I kind of, uh, you know, came to the understanding that one of the biggest, uh, I guess, antagonists of um, diabetic management is highly processed foods and contained in those highly processed foods and the standard American diet or the standard Western diet seems to be the prevalence of uh, very high glycemic carbohydrates, you know? So I said, well, you know, it doesn't seem like you want to remove those altogether, but certainly I should change my ways as far as what types and when and how much of them uh, I was consuming because prior to di- you know, diagnosis, I mean, you know, I, I ate a lot of, you know, kind of sports nutrition type things and the bars and the, sh- the shakes and the drinks, especially when I was on the bike and through trial and error, I found those extremely difficult to deal with now that I was diabetic and I was having to take, you know, exogenous insulin. And so I started to gradually reduce those and see what effect that had on my numbers and stability and just the, I guess, markers of the disease. And uh, I just found that uh, the more refined I got with eating, you know, minimally or unprocessed foods, cooking as much, you know, more. I mean, I cooked a lot anyway, but making as much stuff at home or cooking stuff as much as I could at home and, you know, staying away from the really high sugar, high carbohydrate food, 
it just made the management uh, less time consuming and I guess you could say easier. Um, and so I just uh, have been continually, I guess, learning and refining and trying you know, new things or, or trying to figure out what works best for me along the way. Thanks for listening to this bite-sized episode of the Insulone podcast. And if you want to listen to the full episode, you can check it out in the description. Chat to you soon.